into the Word of God. If you have your Bible, please uh, go to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, you probably have one right in front of you. And we're also going to have the Scriptures on, on the screen right behind me. And so Matthew chapter 13, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 31. It says this. It says, He told them another parable. Jesus is telling parables, and he tells them another parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet it grows. uh, It is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things since the creation, sorry, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And so we've been on a, on a, on a series uh, called Parables for Life. And this is the third week of the series. And we've been talking about parables, and we have a, a definition of what a parable is. Like, if someone asks you, what is a parable? Well, this is kind of a simple explanation of what a parable is. And it goes like this, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So something earthly, something that we can relate to, but the meaning of it is heavenly. It has to do with the kingdom of heaven. It has to do with eternal Things And so I started off this series, if you remember, uh, talking about a problem that we seem to have in our world today. And one of the problems that we have in our world today is that people don't seem to be listening to each other. Like we're all kind of stuck in our own silos. Like we have our own ideas about our own things and we have what we've called um, echo chambers, right? So we have like this echo chamber to where we're only listening to what we want to listen to and then the other side has their beliefs but all we surround ourselves with are the ideas and the people and the videos and the audios that confirm what we already believe so we end up having what we've called a confirmation bias. So we just believe what we believe, and we become closed to any other idea that may be different than what we have already uh, come to the conclusion of. And so this, is, this becomes a problem. And it becomes a problem because the ideas that we have sometimes transform into ideologies. And there's a difference between an idea and an, and an ideology. So, so an idea is something that is like you're thinking about something. You're thinking about God. You're thinking about Scripture. You're thinking about politics. You're thinking about these certain things, and you're listening, and you're trying to learn, and you are driven by the truth. Like you want to end up at the, at the truth. But then the, an ideology is something that has become rigid. It is something that you believe because you've always believed it. It's something that you believe because your parents taught you. It's something that you believe because you're in a group and everyone believes the same thing, so I'm just going to believe what everyone believes. And so this becomes a problem, and this kind of uh, sets the stage for situations that have to do with abuse of power and making people do things just because. Like, don't ask, don't ask many questions, just do what everyone's doing, and we will maintain the peace. The problem with an ideology can be that uh, you don't necessarily know why you believe what you believe. And ideas can become ideologies in our our political views. Ideas can become ideologies in religion. Ideas can become ideologies in science. And if you question the ideology, it's possible that you may get canceled or you may be left out of the group because you 
think maybe ever so slightly differently. So the goal of an ideology is just to get you to comply with whatever the ideology demands of you. And if you don't comply, then you're just left out of that group. So we need to be careful because this, this can also happen in church. Like we can fall into this, this same uh, concept of an ideology that becomes absolutely rigid. That's why from, from the stage, hopefully I'm encouraging you to read the scripture. That you read the Bible, you read the scripture for yourself. Let the scripture mess with you. Read the Bible and say, I don't understand that part. Like, what, is that, what does that mean? Why did he say that? This seems to be uh, in conflict with what I have always learned. Oh, be open to asking questions and clarifying the things that you thought were a certain way. And maybe you read the scripture and, I, and you're like, huh, I wonder why this is the way that it is. You see, ideas become ideology. This is a problem that we have in our world right now. And it's not just a problem that we have in our world right now. It's a problem that Jesus was dealing with back when he was sharing these parables. The people he was sharing these parables to, they had ideas that had become ideologies about God. They had ideas that had become ideologies about politics. They had ideas that had become ideologies about how to live their life. And so people tended to be pretty rigid in their preconceived notions. They're like, oh, yeah, we've always known this, so it must be true. That's why Jesus used parables. So he comes in with these parables, with these earthly stories, with heavenly meanings. And one of the reasons why he decided to, to, to preach in this way, because parables have a way to, to cut through the ideology, and it kind of sneaks its way in there, and, say, and, and it makes you think, huh, I wonder why I've always believed this, but it seems like it's perhaps not the way I've always thought that it was. It cuts through the ideologies and allows you to question your own preconceived notions. I've experienced this a lot. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but sometimes I'll be preaching and I'll be like, you know what, I grew up believing this, right? But now I believe this. And the reason for that is because I grew up with ideologies. I grew up with ideal. I, I grew up... I was thinking about this the other day. I grew up learning things that people taught me as a result of their ideology, which was a preconceived idea of what the people before them had taught them by people who perhaps had never even read it for themselves. And that becomes a problem. There, and when I started kind of rereading the scriptures... I started discovering things that I had preconceived ideas about that were actually different. This is what happens when you start reading the words of Jesus and you start actually listening to what he's saying. He allows for you to, to break through all of the preconceived notions. I grew up believing a lot of things about salvation, Jesus, the gospel in general that are different now, but not as a result of like, hey, I'm going to rebel against this, as a result of reading what Jesus actually said. Um... So I started unlearning a bunch of things when I started actually studying the Word. And this is what parables do. They allow you to revisit your assumptions. And that's what I hope will happen here, too, as we interact with the words of Jesus. Um, he would allow all this to, uh, to, to enter into people's ideas and to question what they actually had believed all, all of their lives, basically letting go of their ideologies and then grabbing on to Jesus' teachings and, and going with that, which is the invitation for us as well. 
And I hope that this is what will happen in this series. I hope it's what's been happening in this series. So if you remember the, week, uh, the first week, we talked about the hidden treasure. And the hidden treasure is all about the value of the kingdom of heaven. And then the week after that, which was last week, we talked about the wheat and the chaff, this, this separation, which is this whole idea of the exclusivity of the kingdom of heaven. And today I'm going I'm to talk about the one that we just read, which is the mustard seed. And this one talks about the potential of the kingdom of heaven. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You guys ready? Mustard seed. That's the parable that we're going to be talking about, about today. And so I want to I ask you a question. Have you ever, have you ever underestimated something? Yeah, right? We've all underestimated something. Have you ever underestimated someone? Have you ever underestimated a situation? Have you ever, have you ever gone to a movie assuming that that movie is going to be terrible and it ends up being amazing? Have you ever assumed that a person is going to be super boring and then they end, up, they end up being super funny? Have you ever been on a plane trip and you're like, oh man, this is going to be the most uncomfortable trip ever and you end up getting the whole row? Has that ever happened to you? No? no? I don't, honestly, I don't remember it ever happening to me either, but I have heard stories. Um, it happens in nature too. Like, you know, you read about nature and you realize that, that the strength of an ant is 20 times uh, its body weight. It can lift 20 times its body weight. It'd be like me deadlifting 3,500 pounds. Uh, the earth, if it was just a little bit closer to the sun, we would burn. If the earth was just a little bit farther from the sun, we would freeze. Most scientists believe that, that if bees cease to exist, then humanity would become impossible. We couldn't be able to continue living. And so the reason why I say that is because we underestimate a lot of things that seem like they don't have any significance, whether it's ants or small variations or, or bees. We underestimate some of these things. These small and seemingly insignificant things have, have incredible potential, right, which can easily be deeply underestimated. So Jesus is talking about, about something that that we could easily underestimate as well in nature, which are mustard seeds. And mustard seeds, have you ever seen the size of a mustard seed? So I'm going to show you a picture of, of a mustard seed. Okay. That's pretty small. That is the size of a, of a mustard seed. And so in fact, I have, I have mustard seeds up front right here. I have a little thing with mustard seeds. And in the back too, there's communion here, there's communion over in the back. And if you Walk around later when we have communion. I want you to look at it, and I want you to pick it up and maybe take some home. I want you to, to be able to see what a mustard seed looks like and what it feels like. See, a mustard seed is the, is the fraction of the size of, of a grain of rice. And you may look at that, and you may say, this thing, that, I mean, look how small it is, man. Like, what's, what is this thing? You can just flick it off. It doesn't matter. It's just small. It's insignificant. Now, for us, we can look at that and we can say, yeah, that's small and insignificant. What's this ever worth? But the people that Jesus was talking to, they knew immediately what he meant. They were familiar with mustard seeds. They knew what happened with, with fields of mustard seeds. And they, they knew that this small seed had incredible potential. This small seed in 85 days will turn into this. Okay, that's pretty amazing, but they all knew this. They knew when Jesus was talking about the mustard seed, they knew the potential of, of the mustard seed. And so I want, you, I want you to take a moment and just think about the size of that mustard seed. I want you to think about that. And, 
and just kind of wrap your mind around that idea. How crazy it is that that little mustard seed can turn into that huge tree. Like some things we just overlooked and be like, yeah, it's seed and then it turns into a tree. But like, that's crazy. Like the whole, that whole potential that's in that small speck can turn into that huge, that huge tree. And so this is truly remarkable when you think about it. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. He's talking to the crowd. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is, is like. He's saying it seems small now. It seems insignificant now. It could easily be dismissed now. But it holds, he's telling his audience, it holds a, a potential that you can't even fathom. Just at that little seed. It's like, what? This is nothing. And then it turns into that amazing thing. That is the potential of the kingdom of heaven. So what, what is Jesus talking about here? What, what does he mean by this? So for us to fully understand, we have to, we have to zoom back. and We have to kind of understand what it is that's actually happening here. The people Jesus was preaching to, they were under Roman rule. They were not happy. They were under Roman, Roman rule. And this didn't feel right to them. They were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for someone to be able to overthrow Rome, to be able to finally take them back to their glory days of David and Solomon when they had power, they had prestige, they had their enemies under their feet. Their hope was that Jesus was going to be this person for them. They knew that. That's why, oh, I wonder if this is the guy that's going to finally, you know, bring us back to our former glory they were waiting for, for a kingdom with a king, a kingdom with power, a kingdom with glory, a kingdom with prestige. That's what they were waiting for. So the expectation was that. That was the expectation that, that was placed on Jesus. But none of that seemed to be happening. They were looking around and they were like, okay, yeah, maybe a few miracles here and there. I mean, yes, great words of encouragement, but, but Jesus was talking about another type of kingdom. Um, he was talking about a kingdom that didn't really have a geographical location. It didn't really represent a, a piece of real estate that they, would, that they would want. It was a kingdom that was, that was hard to define, and it was hard for them to grasp. That's why he used parables to explain it. Some would say it's an upside-down kingdom, right? Where you turn the other cheek. It's like, really? I don't know if I want to do that. Where the last is first, the first is last, where you, you die to live, where, where you give to receive, where, where you lose your life to be able to find it, where you carry your cross. This is the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. And this didn't only seem confusing to them, it also seemed very small in their view. And understandably so, a kingdom with no king, a kingdom with no army, a kingdom with no fortune, a kingdom with no palace. This seemed very small. And Jesus knew this. He knew this. That's why, that's why he was saying the kingdom of heaven seems like this to you right now. I get it. It seems to you like it seems like a mustard seed. And you all know, you all know what happens. You, would, you probably assume that. You know what happens with the, with the mustard seed. Um, but you know what happens in 85 days. It turns into that huge, that huge tree. So at this point, it's possible that 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 explanation to them just wasn't enough. They're like, yeah, I understand about the potential. But maybe the next question they had was like, when, man? This sounds great, but when? Like, I don't see any, like, real results here. When is this kingdom going to come? It's possible that that's the question that they had, you know? That's why Jesus goes into the next parable, the parable of the yeast. 
right? The yeast and the flour. He talks about that parable right after this parable, probably answering the question of when. Like, when? When's this going to happen? I know it's going to, you know, it's going to happen according to you, but when is this going to happen? That's why Jesus says it is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Why does he say that? He's talking about the small amount of yeast, about 1%, right, of the flour should be yeast so that the the flour can then turn into bread, right? How many of you guys make bread at home? Some of you guys? How many of you guys do it old school? Just like, some of you, okay, okay. And so, so they would be very familiar with this, whole, with this whole idea. It takes a lot of work. It's a lot more work than you think. Some of you guys know I pastored a church in Chile for six years, and that church in South America, we had three other churches that we would go and visit in the islands of Chiloé, which is the south of Chile. There's an archipelago, and there's a few islands there where we had three churches that we would support, and those churches had a very primitive living. We would go there and visit, and sometimes we would take missionaries there. And when the missionaries would go, part of their experience, they would have to, they would have to make bread. And it was a lot harder than they would assume, right? They would go and like, yeah, let's... Let's make bread, baby. The problem was it was late at night. It was after we've worked all day at night in a very hot room uh, with, a, with a wood oven. And so it was really hot in there because supposedly you have to be in a really hot environment so that the bread doesn't uh, turn into what you don't want it to turn into. I don't know exactly why, but it had to be a hot room. And so they would go like that, you know, getting the bread, getting the bread. And it was really late at night. Have you ever been so tired that you just laugh uncontrollably for no reason? Has it ever happened to you? I think they call it slap happy, right? <laughs> and so you're just like, and I, would, I was listening to these missionaries, and they were laughing it up so much. I remember this woman, she was literally on the floor. She couldn't get up because she was laughing so hard. And in my mind, I'm like, I wonder what's going on in there. And so what happened was the next day, I remember we were all eating, and we were all eating the bread that they made. And they would kind of glance at each other, and they would laugh, and I'm like, why are they laughing? There's something going on here. So anyway, time went by, and I kind of forgot about it, but then I visited them in Oregon uh, a few months later, and I remembered. I'm like, do you guys remember laughing? Like, you guys were just laughing uncontrollably? And he's like, yeah, I remember that. And I'm like, what happened? Like, why were you guys laughing so much? And so he tells me they were in that hot room, and they were making this bread, and it was so hot, and they were so tired, and they were so sweating that they would lean over, and just drops of sweat would fall into that dough, and then they would watch the other people the next day eating the bread, so that made them laugh, which I thought was very, very hilarious. But the reason, and gross, right? It's like, ugh. So that's all you're going to remember after this message. Right, it's pretty gross, right? But anyway, it's, that's missionary work. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet. But, uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that, is that it was a lot more work than they thought it was. It was a lot more work than they thought. And so when Jesus is sharing about this, about this bread-making process, he was saying, yes, and it's work, and you have to work through it. It's got, the yeast has, go, has to go all the way through the dough. And then Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. He's saying the kingdom of heaven, number one, has tremendous potential. Number two, it will not happen instantaneously. It will take, it will take work. The kingdom of heaven is, is work. Let's keep going. Let's keep going at it. It will take time, but it will eventually take over the whole world. That's what he's saying. 
This was nonsense for some of the listeners. It seemed so far-fetched. But honestly, I get emotional when I think about this and I think about that story and I think about those, that group of followers of the way of Jesus and he was teaching them these things and he was like, no, this is going to be huge. This is going to be amazing. It's going it's to be something small and it's going to take over everything you just give it time. This has huge potential. I picture the skeptics listening and like, I don't know, other people who had ears to hear, they're like, I think there's something to this. And then you fast forward 2,000 years from that moment and we are billions worldwide as a result of this little movement. This is amazing when I think about it. In church... Christianity is growing. I don't know if you knew this or not. Worldwide. You may look at America and it's like, oh, I don't see many Christians anymore. But worldwide, if you look it up, you'll realize that we have a 1.17% growth rate. 2.56 billion people identify as Christian in the world. By, that this happened by 2022. By 2050, it is thought that the number will top at 3.33 billion. We are by far the biggest movement in the world. You see, this parable is a message about the potential of the kingdom of heaven to change the whole world, and it's happening now. That thing that Jesus was talking about, that is happening right now. I can't stop thinking about how unfathomable, unfathomable it was to those listening, to many of those listening. But what was true for them in that moment as they were listening could be also true for you now as you're listening to this. You may think today that being a part of the kingdom of heaven or living your life in the principles of the kingdom of heaven, being part of you may think about that. You may say, this is not a, I mean, it's not a big, I mean, I'll come to church, I'll do whatever, but like, it's not a big deal. This is just something small. And then you compare it to the kingdoms of this world, recognition, careers, money, fame, success, possessions, and you compare it to the kingdom of heaven, where you turn the other cheek and the last are first, you die to live, you give your life up, you, you follow Jesus, you carry your cross, and you're like, it just seems small, man. It just seems a lot of work, like a lot of work. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, a lot of potential. Let me make this a little bit more personal. Maybe you look at your own life right now, and you're thinking about your own situation right now. And you may think about your life and say, yeah, this is not a big deal. Like, my life isn't just, it's not, it's not a big deal. Maybe you're hearing you feel like your life is insignificant. You're thinking that you work so hard and you're not seeing the fruit of your labor. It's like, why even keep trying? Why, why keep moving forward? Maybe this makes you even question whether God is or no at work in your life. Like, I don't see much going on here. Well, this is what the followers of Jesus were, were going through as well. They were, they were wondering, like, where, where's this thing going? Is this thing actually going to turn into what Jesus is promising? Is this thing that I'm a part of even worth my time? See, not only did the kingdom that they were expecting not take place, but their leader then went and died on a cross. His promise of the kingdom would never take place in their view. Not the way they were expecting it. It would never take place. But the reality is that when Jesus went into the tomb, like a mustard seed, 
He gave his life like the mustard seed, who's, which is going to break open inside of the ground, just like Jesus, a mustard seed buried after he died on the cross in that very place. For the rest, it seemed like nothing was happening. Imagine day two of the death of Jesus. Maybe that's how you feel right now. You feel like the disciples on day two. It's like, why even bother? This whole thing doesn't make any sense. It's over. It was worthless. Why even continue? But on the third day, man, we all know what happens on the third day. Jesus rises from the dead. And like a mustard seed, Jesus was planted into the ground in the very place where the movement exploded into what it is right now. You see, this is the most important movement in the whole world history. The very place where Jesus was crucified, the early Christians were executed, the church resurrected. Heard someone say, the blood of Jesus and the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church. A church that is still growing until the return of Jesus. And so I'm going to end with this right now. I'm going to make this a little bit more, a bit more personal. I want you guys to, to put yourselves in the place of those who were listening to Jesus and listening to this parable. They were questioning whether or not it was worth pressing on. Because it gets hard sometimes. Maybe you're here today and this is how you feel. Right now, this is how you feel. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth pressing on? Is it worth it to keep moving forward? Is it worth it to pay the price? My answer to you today is there is nothing that is more important than being a part of the kingdom of heaven. That's why we're here. This is what this whole thing is. Everything else around you, all of the, thing, the things around you, they are lesser kingdoms. They are kingdoms that will not fulfill the promise. They may seem like they have all this potential. They will not deliver to you. The kingdom of heaven right now may seem small, but it is the only thing that will last forever. The only, only thing. And so I want to I want to invite you to close your eyes here for a minute, and this is a moment for you. If we can bow, bow our, our heads and, and close our eyes and let's take a moment to think about what we've heard. I'm going to say a few things, and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning, and, and you're going through a really t difficult time. You're going through a difficult time right now, and you're finances or relationships or maybe someone in your family is sick or you're not feeling well or it's depression in your life, anxiety. I don't know what you're going through right now. But what I do know is it is very likely that you feel like it's, it's a heavy life to, to live and it's, it's, there's just so much heaviness around you. You're wondering, is it worth it to keep going, to keep pursuing Jesus and the gospel and the kingdom and doing the right thing and, and being obedient and doing all these things. And I, if this is hard for you, which is kind of an obvious statement because following Jesus is hard, but, but following the world is ultimately more difficult. If you need help in this area, I want to do a special prayer for you. And if you just, would just raise your hand and put it right back down. I'll, I'll do a prayer for you right now. Amen. 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 So, Lord God, we, uh, we come to you again another Sunday.
just needing your presence, needing your love, needing your uh, reminders of where we're supposed to live, the direction of our life, and how we are called to be a part of this movement that you died for and that we're called to live for. I pray, God, that you'll confirm in our hearts, maybe we're having a hard time kicking an addiction or um, we're going back to old patterns or we're trying to make our life meaningful as a result of things that we do or things that we achieve. I pray, God, that you'll refocus our lives into living our lives in the kingdom of heaven, living by the principles of the kingdom of heaven so that we will find hope, purpose, and direction. So we pray these things. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.